hi people welcome back to another session of faith boosters it's always a pleasure for me to hang out with you around the world thank you all who have been getting in touch giving us feedback those of you who have come to know jesus the good things that are happening in your life all the glory goes back to god and the power that is locked up in his word for us his children and today we continue, yeah? We continue, we've been talking about possessing our inheritance, okay? We began with talking about be believing, not unbelieving. Believe God, believe what he says about you, believe that it is true. And last time we talked together about the first step towards possessing our inheritance, which is knowledge. If you've not listened to it, if you're joining us for the first time, go look for that one and listen to it. It will make sense because we are building onto it and going somewhere. And I know that many of you have picked up your Bible, started to listen to someone's and reading the word and something is happening in your heart light is coming on because remember light doesn't create but it exposes what has always been there when you get into a room and you turn on the light the light doesn't create chairs and couches and stuff but it exposes where the chairs are and then you're also able to walk well because you're able to see what's available in the room you're able to not stumble and fall so the light of God's word it's a lamp to our feet it's a light to our path it shows us what's available it helps us to it to take possession of our inheritance and not have to you know go all over the place walking in the dark darkness is hard to walk around darkness is hard to walk around so the light of god's word and we agreed that while god wants to give a harvest the seed is that the thing that creates a harvest begins with the seed and god can't plant seed for us without us engaging so today we will continue to talk about uh, how to possess our inheritance. Remember, I told you I would keep referencing Joshua. Why? Joshua, the Israelites, their journey from slavery to inheriting the promises of God. And once the Israelites got to know what was available to them, a land flowing with milk and honey, which they would have to go to, they would not see it until they got there, but they believed God and walked the journey little by little, you know, with God to the promised land purely by instruction and by belief there are some who never entered and we read about them who the bible says they gave an evil report and god told them you will not enter the land of promise because you gave an evil report and brought fear into the hearts of my children and so where there is no faith there is fear but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god fear also comes by hearing and the word of the world so block the world increase what is from heaven okay faith comes by hearing whether it's faith in the devil or faith in god faith comes by hearing the will of the father fear comes by hearing the will of the enemy so whatever we increase then helps us to move to the next level and we understand that the children of israel who accepted fear in their hearts when they went and saw the giants and did not compare god to the giants but he said so the giants against themselves ended up not entering the promised land which won't be your story because you're not going to allow the fears and cares of this world to be stronger than the word of God over your life, that he is greater. His word is forever established in the heavens, but we have to know it. Now, today we are going to look at the next thing. Once they knew they had an inheritance, what did they have to do? Which you'll find mostly in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is like war strategy from heaven. The next thing they needed to know, do after knowing what was available to them, they engaged in warfare. They engaged in warfare. No territory was taken without war. In your life, there is no territory you're going to take without engaging in warfare. And there are two sides to the warfare that we're going to talk about today. You know, because part of the warfare is possessing, but some of it is just fighting. 
and 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 I used to struggle with the idea of fighting as a Christian because the truth is that you don't when you hear about the grace of God God has provided so therefore I'm rich why am I fighting because there's another force in the world here where we live the Bible calls that the devil the prince of this world and yet the world has been given to us for our possession the Bible also calls us heirs of this world the children of Abraham but that inheritance has to be taken by warfare it won't be handed over even when God told the children of Israel that I've given you Jericho they had to go and fight to take it and he would say go for I have given you the victory so they didn't fight with wondering if it was they fought knowing that it's like finding someone on your inheritance right they're on your land which was left behind for you you engaging in warfare in courts of law because you know it's yours and you want to take it not because you're wondering what will happen so we engage in this warfare to take what belongs to us but what does warfare look like for the New Testament believer what does warfare look like for the child of God who has received the promises of God by the Word of God because the Word of God shows you your inheritance but you have to take it that's why we are called co-laborers with Christ that's why we are called partakers of the divine nature we participate we are not passive inheritors like you can't inherit passively I think you can but it would be unfortunate but you inherit what we see there is that they had to inherit but how did they do it when I look at it and I don't know you can go back and look at the story in the book of Joshua how these people inherited is that one Joshua who was their leader at the time the priest who went to God on their behalf and now we are kings and priests is that he spent most of his time with God which is what we call prayer he spent most of his time with God hearing what God was telling him to do and then coming and instructing the children of Israel to do exactly what God told them to do their war strategy came from the place of prayer but before we come to Joshua I like to see patterns in the Bible every single time the patriarchs Abraham Isaac and Jacob and even Noah all those other men of old in the Bible when they received a word from God the first thing they did when they received knowledge and illumination the first thing they did is they built altars they built altars Altars were places of sacrifice, places of prayer. They were markers to remind them that God had given them a word. That's the same with you and I. When you receive a word from God, a promise in the word of God that you found to be available to you, when you're hearing a sermon and something just seems to jump off for you, as you listen to the sermon, all of us are hearing different things. Why? The word of God is living and powerful. It's active. It's alive. It's, it's, you read the same scripture today, it says different things to you. Why? It's alive. It's dealing with what's going on in your life right now. What part of the inheritance do you need to possess? So it's alive. And so every time these guys had the word of God, they built altars to receive what God had spoken. So the word of God is living and powerful. But it's activated by a few things. And we're going to talk about one of them today. These guys engaged in warfare, but their warfare was specific by instruction the warfare wasn't just strategy no it was what has god told us to do he gave us an inheritance now he's saying today take jericho tomorrow take i tomorrow take the other space and he told them exactly what to do in the different places they were taking the inheritance the strategy was always different god is not in a box sometimes he'll tell you fight back sometimes he'll tell you hold your peace sometimes he'll tell you walk away sometimes he'll tell you stay but if you're out of the place of prayer, you will not be able to hear the strategy. And so we end up fighting a miss. 
When you go to the book of Corinthians, again, the Apostle Paul, who seemed to give most of the instructions that we find um, to the New Testament church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let me go there right now. Chapter 10 from verse 3, because some of you are saying, no, Pastor B3, we are not involved in warfare. Yes, we are. We are involved in warfare. That's why you don't get everything you read in the Bible for free. Even Jesus said in John, in Matthew 11, 12, that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You, we have to engage violently. If you go read the stories of Joshua, wait, their warfare was violent. He, they had to kill kings, what, hang people. It, was, it wasn't cute. So warfare gets a little ugly. But when you look at 2 Corinthians 10, which is in the New Testament, from verse 3, and we're going to read slowly because I want to help some of you who are already arguing in your heads. Warfare, we're, supposed, we're just supposed to receive by grace. Yes, grace is God's part. Faith is mine and yours, and it's active. That's why Paul says, I have fought the fight of faith. Fights are not passive. I'm a girl, but I've watched fights. I know girls don't engage in fights. So sometimes we will struggle, but men understand warfare. They even like war movies. Eh? Blood, what, masasi, boom, boom, boom. Warfare just energizes men. They feel like they're alive in that state because it's only after the war that you take possession of what belongs to you. There's no victory without a fight. And many of us want the victory, but not the fight. We want to just lay back and possess our inheritance. I don't know how many of you know people who have become rich by nothing. No labor, no saving, no discipline. They are hardworking, they are disciplined, they exert themselves. Everything worthwhile requires you to exert yourself. There's a warfare involved in raising your children, in, in having a great marriage, in emotional stability, in financial stability, in career growth, going to school, getting I don't know how many degrees. I tell you, I'm one of those who got one degree. The other things I'm studying as, I, as much as I can. But there are those people who I respect to have PhDs, God bless them. I'm telling you, that's warfare. It requires you to exert yourself to go to the next level, to take what God has for you to take. Just because I give you money to go and do a degree doesn't mean you'll get the degree by having the money. You have to go to class, study, revise, pass the tests. That's engaging in warfare. So beyond knowledge, you have to engage the knowledge you've received. But in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says to these people from verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Meaning we walk. Meaning we war, but not according to the flesh. According to the flesh, what are some of the ways people go to war? Um, fighting each other, bickering, paid back, revenge, even physical fights. But he says we do not war according to the flesh. We don't engage those kind of weapons. And then he says the next thing, for the weapons of our warfare, meaning we are engaged in warfare and we have weapons. Remember, knowledge is power, Right? We are engaged in warfare, we have weapons. So he says the weapons of our warfare, first of all, you need to know what they are not so that you don't engage them. They are not carnal. They are not carnal. But they are mighty. Meaning the carnal ones are weak. They are not carnal, but they, that's why everything spiritual is contrary. In the way of the world says to have more hold. The way of, of, of Jesus says to have more give. That makes no sense. The way of the world says to be a strong leader, be a master. The way of Jesus says to be a strong leader, become a servant of all. The way of the world says women fight for your rights, wives. The way of, the, of, of Christ says wives submit. The way of the world says men control your wives. 
the way of Jesus says, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church by laying down his life. Everything is contrary. The foolishness of the gospel is what leads you to victory. Go look at the warfare they engaged in in the book of Joshua. The strongest city, Jericho, that had walls that were so thick at the top of the wall that seven Range Rovers could drive on that wall. Thick. What does God tell them to do? Walk around the wall for seven times. Silently for six times. On the sixth time, blow trumpets. I'm sorry, what? That's like imagine if our president came and told us that Russia, uh, China, and USA are coming to Uganda to bomb us. What are we going to do? Play music in the streets. How many of you would stay in Uganda saying, Yeah, it's going to work? You would leave if you have a passport. You and your family would leave. It makes no sense. So that warfare, when we read it in the Bible, it makes sense. But engage your mind, guys. If it was you and that's the warfare they're telling you, you know that there's no stronger city than Jericho. It's the first one you're taking and you're supposed to walk around quietly and then after that, blow a trumpet. But in their obedience to those instructions, is what I want to talk about in this one. The kind of warfare you're engaged in, it's different. It, the warfare we're engaged in comes by instruction. That's how you win. You win by instruction. But how will the instruction come when you're not present to receive it? You receive instruction in the place of prayer. When you quieten your heart before God, you hear his instruction. And then by instruction, you learn to hear his voice. And then you learn to war by instruction. That's what I found in the book of Joshua. They warred by instruction. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. How? <laughs> Interesting. Pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are like fortresses where an enemy camps and they win from that place like they have a hiding place they have a fortress walls what you can't penetrate it and in some of our lives the devil has built fortresses strongholds when you go and read a little deeper in, in bible dictionaries they tell you that it's about ways of thinking that have become so ingrained in us that they are part of us that, that even the bible can't affect them because in in your mind you probably decided that for us we are poor so even if you read the word, it says you're rich, what you're like, good to know, I'm a poor guy. Or that you've accepted that you're rejected. Because of so much experience of rejection over time, you can't even receive the word of God concerning favor. It makes no sense to you. It can't even get in. So you're warring against strongholds. Patterns of thinking that have been established over time. Let me tell you, the war, the warfare of the spiritual man is in the mind. It's not outside. The outside is fruit. It's in the mind. It's how you think. And that stuff is broken down in the place of prayer using the word of God. In the place of prayer, you come with the word of God and you speak it back. And I'm going to show you scripture that tell us about that. But it says that we war against strongholds. And then the next verse 5 says you cast down imaginations. Meaning that the spiritual warfare is a high place. It's in your mind. The, the, the highest place on your body is your head, right? So it's in your mind. You're casting down strong. You're pulling down strongholds. You're casting down imaginations. How many of you, I used to struggle with the spirit of death because I had imaginations of death, you guys. And I remember it wasn't in 2014. I would be there and I would see myself dead. I would see myself uh, recording a speech which they would play on my, on my funeral. I would see myself getting buried. It was so bad. Imagination. Some of you have very, very bad imaginations and you think it's cute. No. Those imaginations are from the pit of hell if they are contrary to the word of God. Imagining yourself dead, imagining yourself miscarrying, imagining yourself losing your job, imagining your children dying, your spouse dying, imagining yourself not getting married yet you desire it. Imagine those are 
those are seeds from the enemy being planted in the womb of your mind for a harvest you have to fight them and you don't fight them quietly you speak back he says no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises can you imagine tongues rising those are the things that are fighting you tongue that rises against you in judgment he says you shall condemn not god shall condemn the weapon is with you the weapon is the word of god you have to use it in the place of prayer you condemn early death you condemn you know uh, uh, losing children before their time you condemn a lack of progress you condemn how by the word of god which is settled in heaven and so he says you cast down imaginations and arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against what the knowledge of god it begins with knowledge if you don't have the knowledge you can't war because remember the knowledge is a weapon so if you don't even know what the word of god says what are you fighting with in the place of prayer prayer is not a place to report the devil prayer is not a place where you report the devil and cry before the lord prayer is your place of authority where you're taking your territory in warfare you're telling the enemy what you will not touch you're telling heaven and earth what you're losing what you're binding and everything is in the mind you're dealing with mindsets and guys that's why you pray at all times not only when you've spent the time in prayer but in the middle of the day when a random thought lands in your mind no 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 you speak back to it i talk to myself a lot and now my kids do it too i catch myself talking to myself i call myself a certain name and i tell myself no 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 you can't think like that have you had i'm alone meanwhile but i'm aware that i'm not alone i'm a spirit being that stuff can't settle in my mind i can't let it come and you see the fruit of that and he says, casting down imaginations, everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Are you hearing warfare language? Taking captive kings. What? He's saying you're taking captivity. What? Thoughts. You're taking into captivity every thought <laughs> to the obedience of Christ. You're making your thoughts obey Jesus. Because remember we talked about it, Philemon 6 that we our faith becomes effectual by acknowledging every good thing that is in you in christ jesus in the place of warfare you take thoughts captive imaginations arguments that are exalting themselves above the knowledge of god strongholds ways of thinking that have become like normal to you you take them back in the book of matthew jesus says the same things matthew 18 many of you know this scripture matthew 18 from verse 18 it says assuredly i say to you and when jesus says assuredly it's like he's almost swearing okay he's saying i promise you assuredly i say to you whatsoever the word whatsoever means whatsoever it means whatsoever in greek and hebrew whatsoever you bind you not god binds many of you are waiting for god to come and fight the battle he gave you the territory he gave you the inheritance by grace and he needs you to engage in warfare and take what is yours Go to the courts of law of heaven and take what is yours that the enemy is trying to touch. Your family, your health, your mind, your finances, your emotions, everything that belongs to you. Your children, your disciples, take back what the enemy wants to take from you. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It begins on earth. The authority you have is here. It's on earth and in heaven. He says, if you bind it here, we bind it in heaven. You lose it here, we lose it in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you shall agree, how? In prayer. Cause on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my heavenly Father. He says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The place of prayer is the place of warfare. 
where you take what the enemy is trying to take from you. You get in there and you are a son. You're not praying as a slave. You're not begging heaven, God, please solve this problem. He's saying how? It's like Joshua saying, God, come and fight the people. He said, you go and fight. I will be with you. You go by instruction of the word of God in the place of prayer. You war, not according to the flesh. You take captive thoughts. You take captive imaginations, strongholds, things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. In the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 18, there's a story there that I, 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 it's so powerful. You should read all of it, but I'll read for you verse 1. And it's talking about this widow, really giving a story. It says, and he spoke a parable to them to, to this end. That the, that the point of the parable is this, that men always ought to pray and not faint. Meaning that the opposite of, not, of prayer is fainting. If you don't pray, you faint. If you don't pray, you faint. Men always, always, you need to be praying all the time. And prayer is not only, part of it is locking yourself up in a room for an hour a day minimum. A Christian should not pray for less than an hour a day. But on top of that, any day, any time of the day when thoughts come into your mind, it's time to pray. You war, you speak back, you refuse, you reject. You speak back the word of God. But if you don't have even the word of God, how will you speak back? In the book of Jude, today I'm showing you lots of scripture on this. In the book of Jude, uh, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, who is he talking to? The beloved of the Lord. But you, beloved, Listen, last week we talked about building, faith comes by hearing, right? Faith, knowing what belongs to you. You know it, now you know and you can fight for it. But it's telling you that you build yourselves up on your most holy faith. How do you build your faith? Prayer. Praying in the Holy Ghost. What is praying in the Holy Ghost? Praying in tongues. How do you pray for one hour? Praying in tongues. How do you pray for two hours? Praying in tongues. How do you receive the gift of praying in tongues? You ask and today some of you are going to receive Today, 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 that you build yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Because praying in the Holy Spirit is so powerful and we'll do a teaching on it for a whole, you know, 30 minutes. But today I'm going to touch on it here and there to excite you about praying in the Spirit. Because some of you have received the gift of tongues, but you don't use it. It's a language. You don't need to have music playing to, to speak Luganda or whatever your language is, Spanish, whatever, in, whatever language it is. You speak it at any point, you switch. You don't need to feel something. Some of you think you need to feel something to pray in tongues. You can use tongues any minute of every day. But why are tongues important? And I'm going to show you 1 Corinthians. We'll probably only use chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. There's lots of scripture. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, For he that speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. For no man understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, things that cannot be understood by men. That when you pray in tongues, you speak directly to God. The enemy can't stand in your way. Remember Daniel? Daniel is a man in the Bible who asked for something and it was held back by a principality for 21 days. But Daniel knew that when he asked, God answered. You have to have that confidence. That in the place of prayer, you have authority. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you lose is loose. So if it's not showing up, you continue to pray. You don't lose heart. Luke 18 says you should always pray and not lose heart. In that story, Jesus talks about this widow who banged on the door of an unrighteous judge until it was opened. That you refuse to let go until you see the answer. You pray about the matter. 
but you're not praying as a beggar. You're saying, give me what belongs to me. Devil, let loose of what is mine. Health is mine. Healing is mine. Joy is mine. Until it shows up, then you can tick off that prayer request and go to the next level. You pray from a place of knowing you have something and it's authority. You're, you're not, you're annoyed. You're taking back what belongs to you. You're not begging God. Stop begging in the place of prayer, children of God. Prayer is not a place to report the devil and cry to God. It's a place of taking what belongs to you. It's possessing what belongs to you by instruction. Just like the children of Israel. They went and marched with knowledge that they were going to win the war because God had said they were winning. And because God had said that's your territory. Once God says that is yours, it's yours by inheritance, by birthright. Health is yours. Divine wealth is yours. You know, a life of significance is yours. Leading people to Christ is yours. It is yours. Evangelism is yours. Discipleship is yours. Yes, an impactful life is yours. You can't just live for when someone died to give you a life in all its fullness. And then he says in verse 4, he who speaks in an unknown tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, edifies himself. Did you hear that? That when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You feed your soul. You feed your spirit. Many times I've been depressed and I started praying in tongues. I lock myself up 10 minutes. I come out and it's like joy is bubbling over. Why? I open the tongue of the spirit and release what's in the spirit into the soul. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. You even get to a point as you pray in tongues, your mind starts to understand. But I love tongues because I can, I can pray in tongues while I'm washing dishes, while I'm bathing, while I'm doing my work. I don't have to engage my mind. I'm edifying my soul and my spirit. And I'm also speaking directly to God and I'm speaking mysteries. I'm speaking into the future of my children, my grandchildren. I'm dealing with things in Kuwait. Hey, it's such a good tool. You have to use it. And then he says in verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown, an unknown tongue, which is in tongues, my spirit prays. Did you hear that? My spirit prays. In Romans 8, 26, it says that the spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. How? By praying in tongues. He says that my spirit prays, but my understanding is not fruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with understanding also. So get yourself used to praying in the spirit. Get your why? Because when you pray in the spirit, you speak mysteries. You speak to God. Daniel prayed for 21 days until the answer showed up in the flesh. He launched prayer and fasting. Moses and Joshua, their most important time was spent with God receiving instruction in the place of prayer. And every time the, the people of long ago, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, when they received the word, they built an altar. You must do the same. What about Jesus? The Bible says of Jesus in Luke 5, 16, that he often withdrew into solitary places and he prayed. Often. If the Son of God needed to pray, what about you? He took territory. That's why in John 5, he says, I do what I see my father doing. In Mark 1.35, it talks about how Jesus, again, he spent all night in prayer. He woke up a long while before dawn and he prayed. When are you praying? When are you building your faith? When are you warring in the spirit? Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. That when you pray, you build your faith. You build yourself up. You tell the enemy which territory you cannot cross. Esther prayed when she was faced with tough times. She prayed. Daniel prayed. Joshua prayed. What about you? Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. You also ought to pray and not lose heart. Remember where we started 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we walk in the spirit, we do not war according to the spirit. But we war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. They are mighty through God. Remember the war is in your mind as a believer. Actually, Joyce Meyer wrote a book 
and I think it's called the battlefield of the mind. That's where that's that you can find that book and read it. It will bless you. The mind is where the warfare happens. Warfare is in the mind. Fight in the place of prayer. Pull down strongholds. Pull down imaginations. Replace them with the word of God. And remember that prayer is not the place to report the devil. It's a place to take your inheritance. Where you know what God has said. You look at your life and there's something contrary. You launch prayer. And you take it. You speak. You speak. You speak. You take authority. You bind on earth. You bind in heaven. You loose on earth. Another version says that whatever we permit on earth is permitted in heaven. You have the authority to permit. Stop thinking you have no authority. Prayer is not for begging. So what is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Today I want to challenge you. Decide from today that you're not going to spend less than an hour in prayer every day. The first thing you do in the morning, let God hear your voice. Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, O Lord, I will lift my voice. In the morning, I will lift it to you. And I will look up. God will hear your voice in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing, if you're in worship harvest, we have 5 a.m. prayer on Zoom. Ask your pastor, ask your missionary leader, join prayer. Get into a place of prayer by all means. During the day, if thoughts come, random thoughts, they are not random, it's the enemy. You're engaged in warfare, speak back to them. Take authority. Remember, it begins with knowledge. From the place of, you can't fight if you don't know what the word of God says. Because what are you fighting? You think sickness is normal, you won't fight it. So speak back, reject anything that is contrary to the word of God concerning your life. And let us start to see victory. Next week, we'll continue talking about the third phase of possessing our inheritance. I know that these things are a blessing to you. But if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that's the first place of warfare, redemption. Jesus died that you may have life in its fullness. I want to give you the opportunity. Okay? And it's simple. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, just like that, you're born again. So pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart. And I confess today that you're my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sin and washing me with your blood. Now take my life, Lord, and do something significant with it. Today I am born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me know. Please let me know. Reach us on our social media platforms, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. They've, they've kept showing up throughout the broadcast. Please reach out to us and let us know what has happened. We'd like to connect you to some resources and help you make sense of what has happened in your life. But welcome to the family of God. Today, I keep hearing the, the song, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Yes. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Hey. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Go 
God is turning things around in your life. I don't know what you've been going through, but go ahead, sing that chorus even as the broadcast ends. And I challenge you, if you're feeling like you want to spend time in prayer, use the grace right now, right now. Turn on that music and just start praying in the spirit. Those of you who have never received the gift of praying in tongues, I want to pray for you right now. It's so simple. As we play that beautiful worship music in the background, I want you to receive that gift right now. It's so simple. I'm going to pray with you. You're going to open your mouth and you're going to pray. The Holy Spirit gives you utterance, but he can't speak for you. And as we pray in the spirit, you're going to receive that gift. It's going to come upon you. You don't need to feel anything. You might, but you don't need to. You're receiving a new language of the spirit that will aid you in the place of prayer. Yes, go ahead. Open your mouth right now. The words that are coming out are the right ones. Pray in tongues. Yes, receive it. You're not forging. Your mind is going to tell you you're forging, but you're not. That's it. That's right. That's right. Open your mouth. Come on. Yes, that's it. That's right. Receive the gift of tongues. It's not complicated. You can turn it off anymore moment anytime wherever you are come on thank you jesus for those that are receiving the baptism of the holy spirit for the first time thank you jesus yes lord yes lord hallelujah let it bubble over let it bubble over thank you jesus what a glorious day go ahead and let us know that jesus did it for you testify and don't switch it off any day anytime you can pray in tongues you don't need music you don't need me praying with you you have received it it can never be taken away from you and it's a powerful weapon that is going to change your life thank you lord thank you again for joining us it's been wonderful i'll see you again next week same place same time you're blessed